Ooh, welcome. <laughs> Shit, I still can't do it. Welcome <laughs> to the Logos and Chemical podcast. I'm Chance Lunsford. I am Logos and Chemical. And this is my podcast. And I have a guest today, Fury. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Fury? Uh, yeah. So my moniker is Fury. I was born in the Netherlands. I'm of Asian descent. My mother's Chinese. Father's Indonesian. Uh, I came to Twitter in 2015. So that's interesting because of this man called Jocko Willink. I read a Business Insider article about him. If you Google it, 2015. Jocko, Business Insider, there are two articles. One is about discipline equals freedom, how a SEAL team clears uh, rooms and shit. I was deeply fascinated by that, by the whole culture of how discipline breeds freedom, physical, tangible, freed up space for you to actually do more shit in you if you're not being a fucking pussy. And uh, the other article was uh, more personally and very into mindset and self-improvement and self-development that area and uh what was it he had this one line i never i never forget that line he said uh 4 30 my first alarm wake up uh uh i wake up 4 30 i wake up my first alarm goes i call it my first because i have two more two extra because i don't want to come in trouble or something like that and then he said that's the first test of the day you hit snooze you lose you wake up you win that's it and the way he wrote, it's very Jocko-esque, if you know him. And, but before that, I was weak and like how some people would say normie or NPC or whatever, some catch-all phrase, but just not willing to do the things and the work for the things that you want to have and do and be. So I've been, it's been a long path finally getting on like a podcast with someone like Logo, uh, who's uh, a good man and uh, has a respectable fellowship and uh, friends around him you know so it's been a long way uh, like many many shit happened you know like uh, really strange stuff but i got back to twitter we can talk about that but i have other podcasts with at chris lish uh, where i explained why i actually came back to twitter that was in the summer of 2018 after september uh, specifically october 2018 uh, after that i grew from 200 followers to 900 plus miserable 200 plus uh, 900 plus that's it. Now I'm here. Uh, oh, I'm an engineer by trade, nine to five. This is the weekend because it's a Saturday for me now. Just uh, chilling with my homeboy, Chance. <laughs> it loves, it's Chance for Logo Center. Beautiful, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful because nobody ever knows how to say it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one of the things I know about you is that you're working on a book right now. Um, Where do I work? No, you're working on a book, bro. Oh, yeah, the book. Yes, I'm working on a book. Uh, uh, for most that don't know me, I like to travel. And i just been to Thailand. It's been a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it, it, how do you say, it changed me, but also at the same time reaffirmed uh, certain things I already knew about myself and life and uh, there it finally clicked so to say and my perceptions and my observations and the adventures and the experience that I've gained in Thailand uh, I knew from the first day only a few hours in on the first day I was at the sky bar in hangover 2 that there's this 
legendary place where they all ball out. It's called the Sky Bar. I knew I was going to write a novel. And uh, yeah, like a couple of weeks after the, uh, Thailand, I'm already at uh, chapter 16. Uh, 25,000 words in is like more than 25%. So that's my first novel. And uh, it's an aim towards literacy, like uh, a tribute to people like Jack Kerouac, Hemingway, uh, maybe even F. Scott Fitzgerald. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Cormac McCarthy. Mm. And uh, my favorite thriller author, uh, Lee Child. I see. That's pretty cool, man. You know, one of the things that attracts people to you on Twitter is certainly um, your sort of unique presentation in the way that you write your tweets. Um, so with your book, are you going to be writing in a similar way then? Sort of um, condensed and... Um, free-flowing or are you going to have more structure to your novel writing than you do to your Twitter writing? Uh, the narrative is structured. It's, I don't like personally when you tell a story to be like Tarantino movies, like that it starts in medias res, like in the middle of nowhere. You do not who the fuck know who these people are. So the characters is basically me and all the random people I meet and my best friend who went with me, he's on Twitter as well, at uh, the Action Tiger. He's my homeboy, but he stays Anon for now. I'll make him really famous because the shit he does is actually more legendary than me. I was basically like a, his biographer or like a proxy. I said, dude, actually, you should be writing novels, but he's not into writing and he doesn't really care for it. So he's basically like that, that homeboy of Vlad has. Vlad the Conqueror has his homeboy that just balls around, banging chicks as well, being cool besides Vlad. Basically, that's like the action tiger for me is the same. But coming back, so the plot is just me and him, like doing stuff constantly for two weeks long, one week in Bangkok. Uh, and the, sec the book is really long. Maybe I'll do two books. I don't know. But I do not want to rush it, so to say. But maybe it will be two books. But, or one fat-ass book that will beat Sanction out of the water. Like, So the narrative is clear. It's from A to Z. It's like 14 days. But the style specifically is me. It is my voice. It is uh, terse and condensed. And I try to make it concise as well. Because it's condensed, it can be convoluted or overtly cryptic. But I try to make it clear um, because a sentence has to be a true sentence, as Hemingway would say. I try to make it true prose. And what makes it true or perfect is that you cannot add or sub subtract from sentences uh, without changing the meaning of it. That is the definition of a perfect sentence. That uh, uh, Jaco once said that in a podcast, I think. And only a few writers can write like that. And I want to write like that. So that's the condensed part. And the free-flowing part, yes. Some, um, I have this mind that goes, uh, yeah, like off the chain, like from topic to topic. So I basically use my uh, narrative, the main narrative, as I go through the Thailand experience from just eating eggs multiple yolks uh, and then eating like uh, shrimp or something but then uh, as i travel through the story i perceive certain things and that will brace basically branch out into multiple topics then i will suddenly it will seem random to some people talk about how a certain waiter has a certain demeanor which is signature for thai people and specifically respectable thai people something like that mm -hmm. So, you know, I recently went through um, 
a period where I, I went through a lot of coalescing and, you know, a lot of uh, sort of bringing in different different things that I knew and that I had been working towards and working on, but they all connected in a way that allowed me to begin to move forward a lot more rapidly on certain things. And it sounds like you've gone through much the same. And, you know, like I know you've said Jocko is a big inspiration to you, but what, what do you think are the things that contributed to you being able to, you know, be one way and then to decide I'm going to go for these things and then, to be another way. You know, you said he went through this transformation. What do you think are the biggest things that led up to that transformation that have allowed you to um, become a person who lives a life that you want to be living? Um, just now, as you were uh, describing your topic or question, I, I heard one word in my head and it's loss. Like it's always the things that you, can get you know or the things you just it's just in reach you know it's like uh, sometimes i compare myself with tantalus it's like this greek uh, analogy where this man he's condemned to life uh, he's stuck in the water and he wants to drink the water so he's stuck in the water like chained or something by magical forces it's a greek uh, mythology story and he wants to drink the water because he's thirsty but the water recedes away and also at one point he's famished and uh, he reaches out for tree branches that has these olives or grapes or something and the branches sway away just barely almost when he's just in sight he gets it and for me it's like maybe i am maybe a very sensitive person and everybody goes through the same things as me maybe i do not know this like i'm talking about personal relationships women uh, financial stuff everybody has them i'm not saying i'm special by by a mile or something. Maybe I seem to do special things or maybe more physically or mentally resilient than most people uh, that I see around statistically. Not saying I'm better, but I see this. But it, it how do you say, it triggers, triggers me. It, uh, it hurts me, it grieves me that this loss, this fact that you do not have this control or this power, maybe it's really vague, but um, I've told stories multiple times about uh, I was uh, on vacation in Slovenia and there was this girl I fell in love, but because she lived 1200 blah, blah, blah miles away, she said, yeah, it's not going to work. Okay. Yeah. That's it. End of story. But if I just be like one of those free roaming people who can make motherfucking money from their fucking laptop, I could decide by myself how long I would stay and the re relationship would resolve by its natural cause by other, by other consequences and not some, you know, I, it angers me even now, you know, something like that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a quest for freedom. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, man, I like that. I can identify with that for sure. It's not like I'm not a person who's afraid to have responsibilities, but I want to choose my own. You know, I want to be able to accept the responsibilities that I see fit for choosing and not have to have something foisted upon me by circumstance. Yeah, always better to be able to choose and uh, the choice is always yours because where you're at especially as yeah. an adult you know like you start in a place but then where you're at is a consequence of your choices yeah and, and so at a certain point you know like you come to the realization of well now 
I have all these things that um, I'm dealing with because of my choices and I have to process those. And eventually, hopefully, and that's like, that's what Jocko's been famous for inspiring a lot of people or Jordan Peterson or, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who, for whatever reason, have connected with people, have connected with um, a very fundamental part of them. And a lot of that has to do with the power of story and the power, uh, you know, like if you can tell a story in the correct way and tell it in a way that's relatable to other people, then you have the ability to add or subtract something from their core concepts of who they are. Yes. And, you know, that's, that's sort of this, that's sort of getting into the ideas of, of narrative warfare or of like no. mimetic communication um, because the collection of ideas that you hold dear inside of you and how they interact with each other kind of determines who you are and what you choose and then what you choose you know in combination and in concert with the choices of other people shapes what our culture looks like so you know I'm grateful for people like that too because um, I've had a lot of these ideas in my head and then they, they're reaffirmed and they're reaffirmed and they're reaffirmed and then suddenly, you know, you finally choose in to believe in that kind of an idea and it changes your life. Yes. Um, so <clears throat> that being said, I wonder what's kind of, what are some of the things inside of you that you're trying to express to, to add into the, into the milieu or into the mix of the world that you feel are sort of the packaged ideas that are easily spreading from you into other people, your, your sort of memes and how yeah. do you feel? What, like, what is, what is the aim of the impact of those things that you can see? Mm, the aim these days I can like shoot for what we, what um, on Twitter I have this group with other accounts called uh, at Elite Excelente and at The Authoritet. We have this like, like it's like the three musketeers, the three Twitter musketeers. We have this thing called the, like the Twitter Bratva, like a brotherhood. It basically means that. And we have this thing called the Diamond Life. I do not know. It suddenly memed up between us, like in the DMs. And it became such a meme because when you think about a diamond, some people think it's like a, overtly superfluous item like gems and luxurious sparks that gets me into like some kind of troll battles with some kind of like stupid people but the diamond if you think about it i've thought hard about it um is basically carbon put under extreme pressure formed into something beautiful so it's an analogy basically for your life if you call it the diamond life nobody is perfect Nobody, uh, how do you say, has this flawless life and everybody has impurities. So it is up to you to find these imperfections, these flaws within yourself and put yourself under extreme pressure. Not normal pressure. I do not believe it will work like that because we've talked about how I transformed. You, if you just put carbon and you just like tap on it, it's just still powder, it's still bullshit, it's still nothing. But you have to condense it on such an extreme way that it basically transforms into something beautiful, something special, something flawless, which is this diamond. And it can be made because we've seen it. We see these stories, maybe 
um, how do you say, some people, their diamonds are maybe of a higher carrot. I just made this up, you know, maybe their perceived value is higher or something like that. Like nobody can be Jock, uh, Jocko or David Goggins, you know, you cannot be like them, but there are some things of you that you can extrapolate from them and um, apply to your own life. Like basically for uh, like before the year 2016, I could not run like this block from my house. People ask me, how did you do it? Like I could not go to the end of the block, but just in three years, I haven't run for months, but if I now go run, I swear I'll easily get 40 kilometers. That's 26 miles, 26.2 miles. I'll easily get it because I did that. I broke myself, literally. I broke my old self. And there was this one point I couldn't walk for a couple of months, maybe four months. I David Goggins myself, uh, but it was just on 18 kilometers. That guy did it like 100 miles and then he almost died. And then you have this legendary story how he landed in a wheelchair. But no, but for me, you have to put yourself under such extreme pressure that you force yourself to be something new and special, but just for you, not for somebody else, just the things that you want. You want to get leaner, you want to get fitter, you want to bulk more, uh, you want more girlfriends, you want a better wife, you want a new girlfriend, whatever. Put yourself under such extreme stress in new uncomfortable situations, you know? Uh, and that's it, yeah, that's it basically. That's what I aim for, that's all my memes. That's my whole goal of this Twitter, that via me, like me as a meme maybe, itself like see this is just a kid you know from uh Rotterdam, uh in the netherlands it's this real small part but uh, i've been growing ever since because i i believe in myself and my friends that they will help me and anybody can achieve their perfect life that's it you know <clears throat> a lot of a lot of the perfect life is a lot of how you look at things Perspective is a very critical tool, yeah, because, you know, um, for example, let's say you're going along in your life, you know, I have kids, and kids can be um, very trying of your patience and of your energy at times, and you have to find a way to overcome a lot of your natural inclinations that you might otherwise not um, be willing to even deal with or even view as an issue. Yes. But, but then you learn, okay, well, when I'm, when I'm using my life to help usher in another life and to, and to make sure that this person has a chance to live a great life and has everything they need and you've committed to that goal, then suddenly you have to change certain behaviors because your, your attention and your intention shift towards a new paradigm. And, um, I guess what, what I'm getting at with that is when, when, you, when you're interacting with somebody and you watch them and you care about them, um, sometimes you see them do a thing that just hits your heart and you, you suddenly look around at your life and all the things that were perhaps pressing on you or weighing on you and all the things that you thought were um, difficulties to deal with and uh, or were problems to deal with that one thing that opens up your heart is so powerfully in that moment mm. totally reframes how you look at your life and it's not you know it's not like a permanent feeling that you're just walking around in bliss but it's just one of those degree shifting perspective changes where suddenly you go oh yeah you know all this stuff that I am dealing with 
all this stuff that I'm going through. It's making me stronger as a man. It's making me stronger as a husband, as a father. Um, you know, I have more capacity uh, for compassion and for um, creating things into the world. And so it's, it's actually a gift. And then, you know, you have to hold on to that feeling as best you can. But when you do, everything gets easier in your life and opportunity opens itself unto you. And um, the people in your life see you and they look at you and they see the positivity and they see the drive and they see the energy and they just want to help you. Uh, and it's the same online too, you know, on Twitter, if you're willing to put forth a bit of effort, if you're willing to um, just try a little bit to be something interesting and to learn new things and to develop relationships, people love to help you and to open doors for you. They'll shout you out and they'll say, hey, here's my friend. I think you should check him out or whatever. So yeah. as you've grown an influence, on Twitter and as you start to connect with more and more people and, and sort of draw your own following, what, what are the lessons that you've learned and what are the things that uh, your online presence has helped you to understand about your offline presence? Ah, the dichotomy between, mm, yeah, the one thing like, on Twitter, I am fury, so to say, but people from my past, mm, they do not know me so, like that. Sorry. They do know me, but I feel like because of how I am on Twitter, that I'm authentic there myself, like um, Benjamin J G J W at Benjamin, that Spanish, good looking guy. Um, but he recently wrote a tweet that said, um, there are some people you cannot copy and he posted me and grit cult and somebody else I do not know the third one, but it was a very flattering uh, Tweet for me because he said try to be like these people and create an account that is uncopyable You cannot copy paste their platitudes or actionable advices into freshly made tweets So how do you say Twitter is like my journal basically then? Like one of my friends says that as well. It's like in a way to express yourself. Sometimes I just I just wrote this morning. I miss my uh, Polish stripper in Krakow. It's totally random. Just a thought. I just tweeted that. I don't care. But um, so basically, I feel like I've become more fury and less my old self. And it has to do with certain things I've gone through in Thailand as well. And um, it has to do also with how I have reframed my core values and how I how I behave also. So coming back, now when I interact with people that I've known from the past or something like that, or uh, at work, it, how do you say, it, it's a little bit strange, you can call it that, because there's this dissonance or like, like if you believe in energies, like I have this energy that, oh, like I am the fury, you know? I, I do have large self-confidence in myself, but then a lot of people, let's say uh, there's this thing that when somebody rises in confidence or in success in their own life, and while other people don't grow, they get not per se jealous, but they, you know, you know how they act. You can form your own opinions about that, but they, they how do you say, there's like a static between us because they, they've known this kid that went to Thailand before, but then I've come back and constantly I'm on Twitter and I gain this, gain these 
uh, insights from other people and uh, it goes into into my internal monologue and I sift over it and it I really internalize these things that holds uh, dear to myself but I do not interact with these people on a day-to-day basis but then when I come back and they see me and they think huh, what the fuck happened with this guy and it's like it's like an instant transformation they'll be like huh like they see me like with the cigar or like a sh- uh, with shades on huh who is this guy i don't know him you know really some people say that they uh, like oh wow uh, like uh fury is now being like a movie star and also like oh what a character he's putting on some people say even chris lish he said like i met him in london he said like uh, uh quite a character you have going on here i said dude it's not a character i just behave like that in real life you just walk around with me i do this shit you know I do the vodka just for myself, basically. But my friend says, here, it's funny, cool, you know, let's film it up. And then think, ah, fuck it, Twitter will love it, you know, or some people will love it. Ah, now we have the quad squad, quadka, haha. You know, it's really funny, actually. (laughs) So there's this huge, basically for me, then this huge, like, schism, you know, schism between La Fulia and, like, my real name, like, oh, Jeffrey, you know, like, it's... It's strange, you know, uh, and also oh, the thing also with respect, uh, th- that's what uh, what grie- grieves me a lot. Uh, for for example, you logo, I haven't met you ever physically, but I feel I have a certain respect with you. How you look at me, how you interact with me, or uh, even like with the trolling or shit posting, but then you um, uh, you know shift gears, then it's like legit again. Then I can tell the way you type, or with Bobby Dino, you know. I, the guy seems to respect me you know shout out for his new he gave me a shout out for his new uh, blog he put me there you know and people all oh, like oh fury got shout out or uh, at one point tate followed me you know that was like i get certain respect from people in the twitter sphere that i feel that that does me well and is in congruence with the way i go towards my new goals you know as i'm rising soaring through my yeah leveling up you know but then i come back to this yeah, this dump, I call it sometimes. Like, it angers me, you know? And then I see these people and they're like, uh, that's just, you know, that's just a normal guy, you know? I am a normal guy. Don't, do not get me wrong. But the, uh, it is like back to the old self. It reminds me of also na- uh, uh, nature v. Na- uh, nurture. Like the environment hasn't changed, you know? That's why I, you, it harkens back nicely and it ties up nicely with how you said, why are you doing this, you know? Why are you transforming? Because I re- literally... Like a ranger, want to get the fucking out of here, you know, like an exfiltration, you know. I always plan my exfil first. I learned that from the internet. Like a ranger does well. I'm, how do you say, sick of it, you know, because in ta- in, uh, let me give an example. <clears throat> uh, apparently, I look like a Thai person. Some people thought I was Thai. I did not expect that because uh, here in the Netherlands, all they like, always like, uh, that's that guy, blah, blah. It's not... Uh, it's not a certain respect, like exactly the opposite. It's not always, always discriminating, but it's never, you're not ever fitting in. It's that look, you know, it, and people are like, Oh, you're exaggerating. No, I'm not exaggerating. I'm, uh, I'm, I've have seen this for 26, 27 years, especially when you dress up or put your hair differently than you're Japanese, which I'm not. Uh, it's funny. Okay. Sure. Uh, it's like a joke. Haha. But you never feel at home. That's the shit. So in Thailand, like they would like throw two to three sentences towards me. Then uh, as I entered the 7-Eleven and they'd be like, oh, fuck, that's not a Thai person, you know? And some people, hey, Thai, uh, Thai guy, huh? and they would talk with me and then, hey, come here, come here. And the same guy, like on Twitter, has the same experiences. This guy at Steven's story, he's now in Brazil and he's from Alabama. He's like a, I won't say black guy, maybe some people get assaulted, but a, a dark Afro-American guy. 
but he never got that same respect that he gets now in Brazilian. Women just come over to him, hey, honey, you're so beautiful. Let's take photos, blah, blah. He probably swoops a lot, but that's not even the point. What makes him feel good is that he finally feels like a person, like a human being. Right. And, you know, like the environment here, it, you know, it gives me like the, the irky feeling. Like, ugh, you know, that's it. Yeah. Is that because everybody's a six foot plus tall blonde person? Yeah, n without a joke. There are uh, they're all six foot ish, and they're um, a Caucasian, not all blonde, but uh, brunette blondish. It's true. If I walk here to the city, they're like that. And even what fucks me over is that there, uh, somebody had a cool concept. There's this hierarchy system, uh, maybe subliminally or subconscious in our society, in the Dutch West, in uh, the Western society, because the Netherlands and the Dutch culture and society is basically like a wank off or like uh, like a like a blowjob. Of culture of the bad side of America. No offense <laughs> to Netherlands or America, but ever since the war, it's like a parody, like a travesty, you know. But no, no. But without, of course, they're normal people. I'm not saying like everybody's like that. But um, and I do love America on Twitter. They know that. But um, so, for example, when you go out, you can see it in full swing. I always say this to sanction the the frontal cortex then shuts down. Because, uh, because it's nighttime and you have to be like an animal again, then the, uh, the back parts of your brain kick up again. And then you're in tribal mode, tribalism in full swing, in full effect, Darwinism 101. What happens, then you have these Caucasian six plus one guys with all their tatis and uh, fascinating women and stuck up women, you know, you have them. But then also, of course, you have the foreigners, you know, they are in this country as well. But those are the, the Tate looking guys. They all look like Tate, by the way. I, I've known guys like him my whole life. They even have the same moves. They walk the same way. Probably not four-time world kickbox and the millionaire and can't uh, can check the letter on the Bentley. But um, these groups, like these Moroccans, Turkish, whatever, black guys, you know, but they form their own cliques. And then also, of course, you have Asian guys like me, but not like me. They're really like these Asians, they call themselves. Like they go to Asian parties, Asian squads, these shit. And I do not belong to these as well. I'm like an outlier between all these. And then uh, like the Moroccans love to shit on people they perceive weaker, AKA the Asians, squ squash them. And then you're forced to go to the other Asians, but they don't want you because I don't even speak Chinese. You know, like, ah, look at this guy. He's different. Uh, he talks like a Swedish, Dutch guy, blah, blah, whatever, something bullshit. But then basically uh, it throws back that you're the outsider, outsider always looking in. That's it. I've accepted it though. Do not get me wrong. I'm not crying like a baby about it, but I've seen this with my eyes. I just walk in a room. I always said this. I walk in a room and I'm like uh, one of those cowboys in those Western movies. Uh, people like, ha ha ha, playing. And then they'd be like, it stops. I swear this happens. People stop doing what they're doing. They were like, carry on, you know, like what the fuck, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's it. That reminds me of this old George Carlin joke. And he's, he's saying that when you're at a party and you're talking to somebody over loud music, it always cuts out at the most unfortunate times. And then he's like, <laughs> and so, yeah, I was thinking about having my balls laminated. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the context. You <laughs> missed the context. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I miss, I miss the context or people miss my context, you know, where I'm coming from and where they're coming from. It's like a static, an incongruence, you know, it's always like that, always has been.
Yeah, man, I've always been a bit of an outsider too. Just I'm a weird dude. That's what it comes down to. I mean, it doesn't doesn't have to do with my outward appearance. It just has to do with my behavior. Yeah, you look very normal. <laughs> normal. Yeah, you would fit right in. I swear. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I I do like cottage cheese, so that's there's there's that. <laughs> but the point, I guess, the point is, you know, I when you talk about that, I understand that. Um, it doesn't take people too long when they get to know me before they realize that I'm not like them. And that's true where I live. It's true on the internet too. You know, people just, they don't, they don't know what to think of me most of the time. It's like, Oh my God, <laughs> who is this dude? Why does he do this? <laughs> so, you know, but you know, when you, when you experience that, it can be, it can be alienating. It can be, you know, you can, you can allow it to make you feel bad about yourself or about your circumstances. But at a certain point, you just, if you're going to move forward, you got to accept who you are in your life and you got to, um, you got to embrace it and you got to find the things about yourself that you love and run with those. And you got to things about yourself that you don't care for. And you have to ask yourself, is this because I really don't want this in me, in my life? Or is this because I've been told not to, accept this about myself and then yes. you, know, you make those choices and then you you pick the kind of person you want to be and you ask yourself what would that kind of person do and then you just start doing that and then suddenly you become exactly who you want to be and that's you know like you talked about transformation and that's kind of it in a, in a very simplistic form you choose who you want to be you imagine what that person would do and then you do it and then once you've done those things you are that person it's, yes, it was, but people don't want to accept that because taking responsibility in that way is scary because, you know, and I've talked about this over and over again, but it's hard to, it's hard to accept responsibility for your mistakes. And especially the deeper in life you get, you have to turn around and face all those mistakes and say, I did all that and I didn't have to. It's, it's shitty. But what's, what's your alternative? Never taking hold of your life never claiming authorship of your own destiny, just always going wherever the wind pushes you and never accepting it. I mean, what kind of life is that? Yeah. Authorship. I like that. It harkens, it relates really good to our like novel, like our novel manship, our workmanship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, like, you know, what's strange. Like maybe uh, I have psychopathic tendencies that, uh, how do you say that my amygdala, like the part in your brain that um, induces fear. Like when you're afraid of something, like fire, ooh, ah, fire, bad, fear. Like, uh, I think, uh, what is it? There are these articles that say, like, sociopaths or psychopaths, whatever. I do not know the correct term. We have to ask Jeremy on the podcast one day. But they say these people, their amygdala is blunted, or like the stimuli that it would give off for a normal person is way bigger than for these psychopaths. So they need more like intense shit, you know? And I'm lucky with that. I'm almost never afraid of these, like these, what other people are afraid of, you know? Ooh, fasting for like 10 days. I don't give a shit. After 30 days, you die. I know this for a fact. I can like, I fasted like two days. It was easy, no factor, three days. Then I'm, then it's get maybe like, you know, woozy a little bit, you know? Or like, ooh, I'm running like 80 kilometers, you know? 
oh shit, my legs are falling out. I just go on, you know? But it's like a blessing and a curse, of course. Because for me, then uh, it's like, how do you say, I do stupid stuff. It's like almost, uh, you're always chasing something. It's like a curse as well. When I'm chasing like new novelties, it's very contrast to what normal people have that they let their whole life, you know, slip by, you know. But because they have fear, that's what I want to like emphasize fear. Their fear of doing these things is bigger than the fear of not doing these things. Uh, put to put it generalistically but this is a great a great great grave mistake the fear of not doing anything and as jock would say uh, being no closer to your goal 60 years in the future oh that would fucking kill me you know on the inside i can see myself now I, i'm not a person anymore with a lot of regrets but i sometimes like muse like uh, uh, towards my past i meditate on it like a, a few you know like i these uh, the things I talked about early in the podcast, you know, my losses. I just think about it, you know, and then I think, eh, not regret, but like, ah, fuck it. If I, if I hadn't done it, you know, okay, I'd done it, you know, so it's good. I did it. But let's say I wouldn't have done it. There are a couple of things I haven't done, you know. That's why I always say fuck school. Uh, like every time I see a, twi- a tweet come by, ooh, blah, blah, school, blah, I say fuck school. Because school hasn't taught me the things that I needed in my life. And that to this day I need and how I thrive now. It's everything outside the ac- academic world, everything outside academia. I had to learn it by my motherfucking self, by pounding pavements at fucking 3 a.m. until 5 a.m. In, uh, in the middle of nowhere. That's why I learned how to be myself, how to survive, always survive, be um, resourceful, communicative with people, random people, to assess fear and danger. Uh, to be situa- situation aware. These things you cannot learn in the fucking school books, you know. You have to take these p- p- like puppies or cups and throw them in the agoge, you know, like here, to the wolves with you, to the woods. You know, not in a blunt way, but show them some real shit, you know. Even to this day with my engineering job. Now, at my work, they're showing me how to model something, like with a software uh, packet, for a physical, um, like a constructive element of a bridge. But they never showed that to us in school. Well, you could have easily taken out three, four hours. This is what you're going to do. This is a bridge. You model it like this. These are the steps. No, what they want to do is give you fucking stupid like equations and blah, blah, all the fucking bullshit that has no practical, tangible, actionable advice. That's why people love these actionable advice. Do this, do that. Because actually, school doesn't give you shit, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, you know, For, like I, I relate to a lot of what you just said because, um, you know, I've been a lot of different people in my life. I've gone through these evolutions. I've gone through these stages, and I've developed along the way. Um, and regret is not a thing I really feel or identify with anymore. But you know, I could easily get buried in that, and I did for a long time, and that's part of what was holding me back and kicking me back into bad habits. But you know, I think that most people have a great facility for being able to accomplish things in the world. That's kind of what distinguishes a person or a human as other than the other animals that we cohabit with this, or, you know, with on this planet is our ability to manifest our will into the world and change the world around us. Yes. But when people when people don't know who they are or they're afraid, like you talked about of who they are, 
you know, like I used to hold myself back because I was afraid of what I would do. I, I knew what I didn't want to do, but I, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do because when I went about my natural inclinations, I was doing shitty stuff. I was hurting myself and I was hurting other people and getting all kinds of fucked up all the time. And so it was like, well, I better not go do things because, um, you know, I keep making the wrong decisions. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about responsibility a little bit before and, and when you when you aren't willing to take responsibility for your past, it makes it hard to accept responsibility for where you're going to. Yes. So, um, you know, like as a person, you have a gap between your ability to manifest your will into the world and, and being in alignment with your actual desire, like, you know, aligning your will and your desire with that vision that you have. There's a buffer zone because like if you, if you're driving down the road, and you see a guy and he cuts you off in traffic and you imagine that you want to murder that motherfucker because he just cut you off. If you didn't have that buffer zone between you and your manifestation of your will, that guy would be dead. And then you go, oh, and, and all the traffic would be gone and you wouldn't be able to take back the consequences of your instant manifestation of your will. That's, that's like, we're like gods, we're like gods on time delay and we still have time to like, to to not make that choice but that's a beautiful if you, point. if you commit to a choice dude really commit to it that means either you make it happen or you die and distance and people don't understand that like you talked about you can go out and run like i i have an example like that i it was just a 5k but my i had a person in my life who had been training for a year to go run this thing and i had like run run in years but i've been steadily doing hiking and kettlebell swings and stuff you know high intensity car cardio it's hard yeah it's fucking hard and i i went and ran like a 21 minute 5k and the person who had been training for a year ran like 24 minutes and it was like yeah it was, it was i was out of breath and everything but what are you gonna do like you just keep going you just pick a pace and you keep going and i you know i've in races like that, I've run until I vomit and stuff. It's not, and it's not like I'm, it's not like a cool thing. Like, Oh, you run until you puke. It's just like, no, I was going to win. And so I ran the way that I had to, to win. Yeah. And that, and that was my limit. So I just had to go vomit after I finished this race because that's what it took to win it. And, and people don't understand that. That's, you know, yeah. like my friend, Noble Brown, sociopathletic, he talks a lot about being a savage. So does Roman. So do I. And that's what I mean by that. Someone who's just says, I'm going to do that. And then they just go do it no matter what gets in their way. You know, yeah. unless they just get in the, like, unless some force greater than them knocks them down, knocks them out of the way. And then yeah. get back up. The savage always gets back up. You know, you're not going to bow down. No man's my king. Be besides me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So don't, that, bow. don't bow down. That's a great chance maybe to talk about um, another thing now that I've got my warrior spirit riled up. Um, <laughs> I see you feel it. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I it know. always goes like that, you know, I, uh, they say I'm high energy, you know, I'm contagious. Yeah. Well, me too. Uh, yeah. You're, <laughs> you're like voltage. Like this. I, I know you have an interest in martial arts, man. Um, oh yeah. And that's a great place for warrior spirit to kind of show itself. Yeah. So what's the what question? You, 
Well, I guess the question is, um, how do you think the lessons learned in combat uh, can be applied to the applied to your daily life as you're walking down the street? Obviously, you're not going to go solve every problem by a boot to the head, but um, that kind of mentality can serve you well yes. if you use it correctly. So, how do you think um, the lessons learned on the mat or um, you know in that high stakes environment can translate into um, adding value to your everyday life. Yeah. Mm. We can tie it back to the fear aspect. I see a lot of people that after they've taken martial arts, they're less afraid. Mm. Like let's say they're like nerds or wimps and they're afraid to do stuff. And then they take up martial arts and then they usually tweet out stuff. Ooh, ever since I've done BGJ or boxing, nothing is as extreme or painful anymore. Getting punched in the face is way more worse than insert something, than talking to that girl. They always say something like that. They even like, uh, they always use something that's more stressful to downplay other stuff. Like, oh, I just got that girl's number because. Uh, yesterday, a guy cranked my neck almost off my fucking, uh, off my, you know, cranked my head off my neck almost. That's way worse than trying to talk to her. So if I would say that in one sentence, it gives you confidence because you're able to deal with certain things with yourself. You're able to hold yourself. And if, let's say you're also, uh, these days we have a lot of these masculine uh, problems. You're not masculine enough, these shit. People aren't just confident in their abilities, their competence, and that's, closely tied to being a man. Lots of these guys are just lame as weird nerd pussies. If I do this, they like fly away. And I'm not saying I'm the man or something, but I'm not afraid, you know? That's what um, what martial arts would probably have given me. You know, my brother trained me a little bit. I've done some sparring, some fights. I'm not uh, where I want to be at all. So I do like this topic, but I'm not, how do you say, braggadocious as I maybe was in the past anymore about it, as I'm now more humbled. Um, but um, it gives you confidence. Second aspect that I want to talk about, it, it changes your mindset. Like uh, your reflexes go up, for example, because the punches that are coming at you or the moves that are being executed by yourself and your opponent are at the highest of stakes. It goes really fast. You cannot slow down. There's almost never an end. It's like chess without a break. You constantly have to think about the next move because if you do not think about the next move, he already got the next move on your move, and then you get a hit in your face, and you do not want to get a hit, and that's annoying as fuck, uh, unless you're like a masochist who loves pain, but you want to win. You just not necessarily even want to hurt the other guy. You just do not want to get hit. That's basic instinct, like animal instinct. And so you're always on edge, like constantly, like razor sharp, I call it, like, you know, like uh, constantly pushing the envelope, like, like full tilt. Uh, poker player would say you know like tense you know constantly thinking what am i going to do now what's he going to what's he going to do so i got to trap him this that that your mind is constantly racing and racing and racing and this mindset that you cultivate will have many many benefits in any field of any any life any person uh, like for example i wrote a thread recently i don't like threads it's fucking boring but i wrote a thread as like a tribute to this one guy who's a friend of benjamin 
um, he was talking about when you're 25 and your brain suddenly starts to make connections and everything clicks, you know, that, that uh, connected with me in the sense that my father would uh, sometimes test me from time to time. We were driving somewhere and then he says, uh, your son, uh, it's your turn to drive. He thinks he surprises me, but these days I'm never surprised, you know. When a chick, one second before she wants to sleep with you, and the next second stabs you in the arm, okay, yeah, then all bets are off, you know. Then this world is, that happened with me, by the way, so this world is like fucking crazy. I'm not surprised about stupid shit anymore. So, but my dad, he says like, um, step in the car, you drive. But what, um, what you do not know is that uh, I hadn't driven in like a whole year or something, and then you lose it a little bit. So in the past, I lost it. But this time, when I got in the car, I got better. It's like maybe like a self-affirming bias or something, but I could see everything coming, you know? Uh, everything was not slow motion, but it was slow compared to fighting and my confidence, my, my uh, computational speed of my mind had gone up. You know, I'd see cars, i see people. It was easy. It was just braking and, um, and giving the gas because it was automatic, not stick shift. So that's a clear example of lateral thinking and like uh, what I call lateral competence. The competence you gain in martial arts will enable you to gain competence in other fields as well, as long as you are fluid as a person and able to make those connections. Yeah, I like that. Um, there's this there's this dude named Pavel Tsatsouli. I know him. Yeah, and... Uh, He's how I got into kettlebells in the first place. And uh, this was back in the day, I was just out of high school. Um, and my dad bought me a 35 pound kettlebell and a video of Enter the Kettlebell and just said, yeah, you know, you really gotta get into this. Grease the groove. And so, you know, he talks about the what the hell effect with kettlebells where you start training with them and then suddenly you start getting better at everything in your life. Um, especially physical things, you know, like you're just better at stuff that requires reflexes or requires precision or requires athleticism because you've been using these kettlebells. They're like, you know, there are emergent features based upon training with the kettlebell that just don't exist when you're training with the barbell or with dumbbells yeah. and vice versa too. Like certain things that happen when you train with a heavy barbell that don't happen when you train with a kettlebell on anything, but I think that, like you talked about lateral competency, and I look at it maybe a little bit differently, uh, and I think about most things like this, but let's say that you, you have a node of competency, and it has a sphere of influence, and the further away you get from that node, the less influence it has. But then there are some things it directly connects with, whether it's in a oh. chain of events, or whether it's with um, like core aspects of that node, connect directly to other things and then it really does contribute directly to those things so like you might get generally better at living um, by being better at one thing but you will get specifically better at a limited or a finite amount of things that it's connected to but you'll get much better at those when you get much better at the one thing of course and, and a lot of that i learned like i was in karate as a kid for eight years and i was pretty good at it and i've had yeah, which karate martial arts training Shaolin Kempo. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, I, I, I did pretty, I was pretty successful in the tournaments and stuff, but when you train martial arts for a long time, you always have a lot of opportunities for humility. 
just over and over and over again. <laughs> but, but I credit things like martial arts and things like learning how to use my body to become strong, to create the body that I wanted to have and the abilities that I wanted to have. I look at those things, like let's say that I wanna get better at a squat. You know, you have, you have the said principle, specific adaptation to impose demands, meaning you're gonna get better at what you do and how you do it. So if I wanna get better at a squat and I want to do something that's going to help me get better at a squat, it has to be as close as it can be to a squat to affect directly my squat. So like if you get stronger at a deadlift, you will get stronger at your squat, but it's not gonna be at the same proportions. Whereas like if I do a wide leg squat and a narrow leg squat, and then my regular stance squat, those things will contribute directly to my regular stance squat because they're close to it. These uh, notes, yes. Yeah, man. So uh, I don't really have a question based on that. I just kind of went off on a rant. <laughs> That's good. I like it. Uh, I like especially the nuance you put to it, like these notes. I haven't really thought long about these things because I basically don't have time to, like, uh, how do I get better, you know, at these things. I just want to, like, for example, now I have a new goal. I want to uh, do, uh, what's it, a triathlon this year. I just go in the water, but I can't swim that well. And I only have one diploma. And, you know, it, uh, it seems to me that my mind now be is more resilient. So in the water, I just, just keep going, keep going, and I get better. I look at another person, steal their techniques, ask people for tips, and I just get better and better because of these notes, so to say. And sometimes when I'm in the pool, I'm a little bit tired. Then, then I think, hey, why am I actually like getting better so fast, you know? I'm making these links in my head that I do not know about, you know, these nodes, you know, but for some things I do know how it has a certain effect. You know, let's say your diet is really good. Then you get in better shape. You know, those nodes are, we all know this shit. We talk about Twitter on this all day, but uh, some things are le not really, how do you say, are lesser known, you know, uh, how uh, martial arts makes you better at driving because of the reflex part. Most people wouldn't think about that, you know, I love learning, uh, like connecting new stuff, because uh, as Musashi said, if you know one thing, you know 10,000 things. And we have this finite time on earth, and I want to learn like 50 million things like yesterday, you know, on and now. So that's the thing of me, yeah. Yeah, man. One of the saddest moments in my life, as strange as it sounds, because I've mm -hmm. been through some shit, was when I finally realized that I was not going to be able to know everything there is to know, you know, really? I was, was that sad? I was a kid or whatever, but I've always, I've always been able to learn things easily, you know, just, I have a very good memory and I, and I have a strong sense of fascination, but at a certain point you think about things and then you go, Oh, I can't, it's, it's infinity. And I can't, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> what am I going to do now? I can't know everything. And that, yeah, no, that that's, that's funny. Through, man. <laughs> I had that moment too. In um, not 2015, maybe 2012, 2013 somewhere. I was reading so much books. I was raking them up, you know, uh, because I had these like, you know, like digital books and like real books. My books are behind me. Like I was, I was fighting. And at one point I just sat there and then I like, fuck, I can never read all the books in the world. <laughs> I had the same. I, I had something adjacent to it. Like, ah, fuck, what am I doing? And then I just slowed down, and just took another book, and whatever. 
yeah, I mean, that's all you can do. It's like, well, I have this drive to know things. I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep acting as though I could know everything I ever want to know. <laughs> but, but maybe I'll just do it with a little bit more patience. <laughs> yeah. Um, my friend, uh, he's one of like these Anon accounts. He has this concept called uh, being a flaneur. It's like a spejatura. Spejatura. Uh, some people know it. It means like uh, an effortlessness, like uh, casually breezing through. And flaneur, if you look it up, it's like basically you see a picture of a gentleman with those top hats and like a cane. And then you walk, you know, in their frog suit, really fancy. But it's not about that. It's just about um, casually strolling through life. Like every time when he or me is stressed, he would just say, yeah, you're a flaneur. You know, you stroll through life. And it's this mindset that everything is easy. You know, if you say it to yourself, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. Uh, I do it with uh, catching the train, for example. People are like, <laughs> running, you know, or something like, you see them running. Sometimes I run as well, but like, chill out, okay, if I miss it, fuck it. You know, you, you really see me run like this, like, oh, whatever. Or I'll, if I get late to work, I'll just stay later. Then it's my own fault. I don't even get angry at that uh, because we have this system. If you get later to work, you just clock it in, whatever, and uh, you can stay late or whatever. Or you can even go early. If people don't see you, you don't, just don't give a fuck or whatever. You know, but simple things I do not stress about anymore, you know, uh, because they're really like more important stuff, you know, how to make loads of cash. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> 33. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna it's gonna catch me some heat <laughs> no, but, yeah yeah but you have to uh, perceive life as such you know because uh, like this week for example you know what was really my day-to-day uh, -day job was really not stressing me because uh, the how do you say the time load and the workload wasn't that much but I was just like, I called it uh, shackled to my desk again. I was just like, mm -hmm. uh, look at me. Yep. Yeah, it's not, I, I know for a fact it's not what I meant to do, you know, because I just want to write my book. I, I just want to write my book, travel somewhere, drink some coffee with people, drink vodka, sleep, get up, do it all over again and write some stories. I just want to be like Hemingway or something, you know? So that's my aim. But, uh, but then like some things put you instantly in perspective or out of your perspective. Uh, perspective perspective like one of my friends uh one of his friends got murdered it was one of his best friends it was really sad he texts he he himself texts me hey how are you doing blah 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 then I, then he said suddenly like uh yeah one of my friends died and then it really brings you back to life that you still have time you're still alive you're still healthy the core fundamental things that basically you have to reaffirm yourself daily in the morning as a like a gratitude uh, drill they do, you know, like a journal. I'm grateful for my mother, my father, my brother, for you, your daughter, you know. But you do not do these things because you're like, fuck, I need to stack cash, get yoked, these stupid things, you know, that do not matter, you know, or I have to get away from my job. Okay, that matters, but it's not as pressing anymore suddenly because, uh, yeah, somebody died, you know, and it's real, it's for keeps. So then, then I just chilled down again and I said, ah, thank you for this reminder that life is still good. You know, we still have time. Yeah, man. You know, I've talked a lot about this because I've seen a lot of people go for, you know, I lived a hard life and I saw a lot of people hit the deck around me and it's, it's, it does, it does change you and it does change your perspective and things. But 
you know, I like, I like the idea of effortlessness in life. And I like the idea. It's like, I have this thing. I ask my kids, I ask a lot of people. It's like, okay, if you do anything, how's that working out for you? Because if it's not working out well for you, then you need to stop doing that thing. It's as simple as that. You know, if you engage in an action and you have a specific, like if there's, if there's a result that you want and the action doesn't produce that result, then you change your action. You know, we yeah. get so cozy or comfortable in our routines and our habits. You know, we say we want different things or more or better, but most people don't want better things or different things or more enough yeah. to do anything different to do anything yes. about it. You know, they look around and they look for a magic pill or they look for a magic bullet. You want to get yoked. Here's your two minutes a day program. You want to get six pack abs. Here's your fucking electric belt that you can wrap around your body and zap your abs. You never even have to exercise or diet. It's like, you know, it's sad. It's sad that people live that way. And I lived that way for a while, you know, and like I thought um, maybe drugs and drinking and and sabotaging myself was the key to yeah some sort of feeling bad all the time but your recent story you hinted towards uh uh what's it cocaine abuse was it that you wrote that yeah yeah i mean i i did all the drugs dude okay yeah <laughs> i hope it was this like recent or long ago chance no that's Before quite some time ago now um, Before you came to Twitter, I believe then. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't, I haven't done hard drugs in years and years. Yeah. It's just not, it's just not my thing. You know, I live my life very simply at this point. Really, I work all day every day at the things I'm interested in and at my job, which I, uh, like I, you learn to be interested in your job. Like my job is not necessarily what I intend to keep doing forever, but it's an interesting job and it's challenging and I'm surrounded by good people. So I like it, you know, so yes. I focus on doing that. And the th but other than that, you know, I, I write and I lift and I do family things and I spend time in nature and I garden and that's about it. You know, like I don't, I'm a simple person. And when you're simple able to, man. Right, yeah, when you're able to enjoy the simple things in life, then you don't need, more than that and occasionally i enjoy a night out with my wife or i enjoy um, something out of the ordinary but i like my routine and the reason that i like it is because i built it out of the things that i care most about and when your time is filled with things that you care about and that deliver value to you then uh, you don't really have any room to um want to live another way that just you know rock your world and send you crashing down into the abyss. I did that, man. And I pulled yeah. myself out. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna chuck myself back into hell like that for and for what? To to feel good for an hour and then chase that feeling for the rest of the night and then suddenly it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm doing push ups with Simon and freestyle rapping for six hours straight and wondering how I'm gonna pay my rent because I just spent all my money on Coke. <laughs> Give me another beer, Simon, I can't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good man you have a good chance yeah yeah yes, what you just what you actually described there was what i introduced early on when you asked me what's my aim on twitter 
that anybody can create the life that they want, you know? And so basically you created that dichotomy, which you said that abyss versus this um, idyllic maybe routine that you have now, you know? Uh, this simple, this simplicity. So you went from abyss to to this. So uh, yeah, that's good. You you did it. Yeah, you did it by hard work, by pressuring yourself. You know, like converting, going through the motions, through time. It was also in time delay, as you were a god. You know, a god in the making. And then yeah, you finally ascended. You sought the heaven, and then you found your heaven. As it is above, so it is below. Right, you know. So, That's right. Yeah, you did it. And just guess, like every paradigm, you step into it, and then you realize, oh, there's another one right above me. I, yeah. There's always room for growth. There's some, yeah. Now you have this, and you protect it, and then you grow from there. Other notes. That's right, man. Yeah. Now you start to see how I see things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Expanded, yeah. contracted. It all looks the same. Yeah, I like it though. Like I, one of uh, that recent poem you had. It was really beautiful. You also talked about that buffer, I think. That buffer that you, I want to make a comment, that poem that you wrote in my thread, you know? Uh, there's something about, there's a space between, it was very beautiful words. I, I can't, I, it's not in my lexicon. Between your thought or something and reality, there's a space or something you said. And that's the same what you said, like a buffer. It's, it's a beautiful concept, I like it. Not a lot of people on Twitter talk about this, by the way. They haven't seen it or they don't know about these things. Twitter's a weird place. Uh, it is <laughs> when you you know when you try to when you try to expound upon complex subjects or at the edges of of what's knowable and then what's just conjecture or what's you know what you're just trying to deduce mm -hmm. a lot of people just like those platitudes and i'm not one of these people who's talking shit about it i mean it is what it is you know like people have a motivational poster in their gym and it says strength, something about strength is strength. And it has a guy doing squats. And you go, okay, something about strength is strength. That's true. I'm going to do my squats. That guy's buck. Cool. You know, and that's fine. If, if that's what you want on your timeline. I mean, I have plenty of those people on my timeline because I see something. It's like, yeah, that's, that's cool. But the deeper stuff. No, I mean, it, dude, it is. It's cool. It's like it's, you're a motivational <laughs> poster guy. And that's cool. And yeah. but that's, that's not everything I want, you know, like I wouldn't want to walk around my life and just everybody has a motivational poster stapled to their fucking forehead. And it's just like, this is my, this is my motivational poster uh, that I'm wearing today that you wouldn't want that. But if you saw one guy walking down the road with a motivational poster stapled to his forehead, that would be cool. And so that's how I try to like balance it out in my, in my situation. But yeah. For me, oh, Chance, now that we're talking about that, I can share a little bit of my Twitter experience then. You know, um, I haven't gone as viral as much as all the other guys. Viral, what's the definition of that? But it never exceeds 100 likes or more than 10 retweets from me. And I, frankly, I don't care. You know, at one point, not that I had given up, but I had this epiphany. Wait, why am I chasing 50K followers like at Latimer or some shit like that? You know, why, am, why do I want to be that? I just stopped and thought like, I'm not going to do that because I don't want it. I, th this is uh, uh, connected to that paradigm or wanting somebody else put on you and being like, maybe like an outsider as well. Like, oh, I have to get what they have, you know? I was like, ah, I have to get 60K, you know? And not even, and of course, it, <laughs> it all, of course, like maybe it's logical that you can maybe like sell more novels or something like that. 
the conversion rate is better than not even like that. I was like power obsessed, maybe even, you know, of course I want like 60 K then the conversion rate is better. If you put 1% on it, then 60 K then people, more, more people buy your books. Okay. But I just stopped and thought, why the fuck do I want that? You know? So I just stopped basically uh, tweeting out any kind of platitude, you know, I just tweet whatever the fuck I want, you know? And then one day, um, I had this, uh, like these days I'm bulking, so I'm eating two plus meals a day, drinking protein shakes and actually lifting, doing the work, which I didn't do before. And I just tweeted something like, fuck you, if you think you're a hard gainer, um, you're, not a, you're not a hard gainer, you're a motherfucking pussy, you, you can't do the hard work, and uh, the only thing you should, oh, you should, oh, you should shut your trap and work on your traps. <laughs> it was actually, it was, a, it was a pun in it. Or, you know, it was a little humor and aggression, a little fury. But that, uh, that got retweeted by uh, Alexander Cortez. A lot of people retweeted. Okay. It, uh, like, it, it shocked me because I had never gone viral. Then I said to, what is it? Uh, at Alecos Diamond, uh, da Damon, the finance guy who tweets platitudes constantly. I love him for love's sake. But he can, and because he, I know, is one smart ass dude. He can talk about finance and really intricate stuff that has nothing to do with what he's tweeting. But he knows, what does he say? This is the medium, guys. <laughs> you know, he knows it. And probably has a podcast where Jose asks him uh, that same question. Yo, uh, but you're a finance wizard. Why don't you ever talk about that, you know? <laughs> but then, then he said like to me in the DM like see Fury um, people do not want to hear about vodka they do not want to hear about Thailand or lifestyle because your brand isn't established yet um, people want to hear actionable advice something like that lesson in there he wrote it in like a meme way to know you know like really jam it in yeah. and I was like it not it didn't get to me but I just said like hey Alekos I got here by being myself my whole life, I tried to be somebody else in the real world and on Twitter. You think I'm just going to give that up, like, just to control copy other people's fake ass shit. Like, uh, uh, if you want to get yoked, do this, 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 and this, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm not going to write like it because that's boring. I have enough boring day-to-day -day stuff at my nine-to-five. My Twitter is supposed to be fun. I just want to write about strippers or the other day about ladyboys or the next day about how I missed true love or how, how I thought I had it. Or then, uh, then, oh, some drugs are fun. Most drugs are bad. Or I had a podcast, you know? I want to talk about random shit that interests me and only me in that moment because it's my account. And if somebody doesn't like it, they, they can go away off my timeline or can they, they can join me and say, hey, I like that too, you know? I never expect people like, oh, quad cost squad. <laughs> you know, they, it's really absurd. I just do it as a hobby. For fuck's sake, the people like, quaddy, yeah. Qual <laughs> this morning, Chance, uh, this guy, he's from Thailand as well. I didn't get to meet him, sadly, but he said, quadify your life. <laughs> <laughs> quadify. Like it's a verb now, you know? There you go, dude. You've made it. You know, and also what does me well, like the who, yeah, the, you know, I made, no, I haven't made it for shit. <laughs> like, I always say, hey, see at work, guys, the Twitter work, you know, uh, I've met Niels, for example, the painter, you know, and the, hip, uh, the erotic hypnotist. Uh, <laughs> I uh, met him in real life. I just said, hey, see you, see you at the office, uh, Niels, see you later. Twitter's just like, you know, hey, like office humor, ha, 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 you know, posting platitudes sometimes, but then, ha, you know. Yeah, I've run into a lot of that myself. You know, it's like that there are ways to grow your Twitter account. Yes, of course, you know it.
You must and, know it. And those ways aren't necessarily, they can be, but they're not necessarily the ways that you genuinely express yourself. And so what I've been trying to do is I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to deconstruct the tools, the vectors. Um, if we're using mimetic language, like I'm trying to understand the vectors for getting into people's heads. But so I'm using the same vehicle, but I have different passengers is another way of saying, you know, like I'm trying to understand, okay, what is the vehicle that will actually get people to allow these thoughts into their head? But then I'm, I'm throwing my shit inside of those vehicles. So like, what does the platitude look like? Or what does a viral thread look like? Or yes, I was thinking the same thing. actually look like, you know, this kind of stuff. It's like, okay, what are the tools that I can use? How can I relate this to other people? How can I um, catch their eye quickly? How can I make this visually appealing? How can I tie this to pop culture? How can I, et cetera, et cetera. And yes. then, because, but it's tricky because when you walk that line, if you care about being genuine, if you care about being honest, you can go too far. You know, you can dilute your message. You can, yes. you can become something other than what you were trying to do. So it's tricky, yeah. man. And I've been writing a lot about this stuff and learning a lot about this stuff because I want to be able to get my message out there. I feel like I have something to say. I have something to offer. So how can I get it out there? Um, so how do you feel like you navigate that balance and, and how successful do you feel you've been so far at doing that? Personally, um, if I compare, maybe I shouldn't do that. I haven't been that successful because I have peers who have outgrown me in uh, engagement, impressions, uh, followers and stuff like that. It doesn't grieve me personally or anything. I don't lose sleep about these things. <laughs> but uh, uh, I can do a lot better with that because I have this weird uh, typing style, they say, or whatever. Uh, but no, it's just... I think I'm doing fine, man, in the sense that because I had struggled my whole youth, I see it freshly now. Like, it's months ago, you know, I struggled. Who am I? Blah, blah, blah. You know, this quarter-life crisis, you know, these things. Now I'm just me, you know. I, I'm i perfectly fine in my skin. Uh, is that an English saying? That's a Dutch saying. You're, you're feeling good in your skin, you know, like with, with yourself, you know. You're, and how do you say my tweets reflect that. I just type something that's really random and like, it, I know, I know for a fact that it's not going to get a lot of likes, you know, because Benjamin, the mimetic uh, warlord, he'd be like, Oh, you have to like do this, blah, blah, blah. you know, and uh, blah, 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 this, that. But, but then I think about sometimes, sometimes I do think about it that like, how do I deconstruct the, you know, the rules, type it a little bit, try to, how do you say, Put more effort into it, you know, not botch it completely because I'm a really big, I don't give a fuck guy, but I can be, how do you say, intense for something as well. So just as you, as you, I do not have, I do not have in my head that I have a noble message or anything. I ju just believe you can do anything that you want. And uh, I know for a fact in real life that telling people, oh, I haven't said this verbally out loud in this podcast. Now that we're here, like maybe it's coincidence. I have this friend, I can talk about him. Uh, but just like me and other people he's gone through rough stuff so uh, depression kicks in and stuff like that you know and but he does not take responsibility of his life and it mm, it angers myself a little bit because I see myself in him of course a little bit but and I've known him the longest in my life he's my oldest friend he has gone from being my best friend to like being just a, a specter 
not by me, but just by his existence, what he does. Most of you, if you would listen to this, know one of these friends. They just, they're there, you know? But the thing now, like I can give a concrete example. In uh, July, we're going to this festival in uh, Belgium. It's this uh, EDM. EDM is electronic dance music. This is like boom, 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 hard music festival in tomorrow. And it's called Tomorrowland. It's like a big thing. It's uh, similar to what they have in America. It's called EDC, Electric Dance Carnival Circus in Las Vegas or somewhere, Los Angeles for you Americans. Oh, America. But um, <laughs> you have a very infectious laugh, just. But um, now one of the other friends, oh, the Action Tiger, actually. Like he's in my friend's friend group. And he says, like, we're going to sponsor him. I said, no, we're not going to do that. You know, and he says, uh, but you misunderstood. Like he now wants to go because previously he didn't want to go. He now wants to go. We're going to sponsor him. Uh, you're working a job now. If you're, uh, we give him like 50 bucks, you know? I said, no. When I wanted to go the first time, I worked, uh, I worked my ass off in a restaurant. Not per se to go to Tomorrowland, but I worked 11 hour days or something. I worked for 11 days straight. Then I got enough cash and I decided that Tomorrowland party, maybe like it's a good festival, four days straight. It was worth that money, that work. I put in effort, time, so I get to go there. This guy, he's not going to get a free handout just because he's feeling sorry for himself and he has depression. Okay, sure. I'm willing to say to him, if you want it bad enough, go get a job because he needs help. I'm willing to say that to him, but I'm not just going to give him free money because I know for a fact via him and other multiple examples in life that a person will not listen to me, for example. Maybe my authority isn't high enough or I'm not eloquently enough with my perfect platitude tweets. Same here, coming back to that analogy. My tweets are not going to hit home to somebody. I know this for 1,000 effect. They're going to read my tweet, think, oh, that hit me really good, you know? Uh, lift, uh, eat better, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know these platitudes, right? And they're going to get that hit. But then they're going to scroll up, 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 next, next, next. But it's not going to work. So I don't give a fuck about that, actually. So I stopped doing that. What I just do, I just show, oh, I just run a marathon again. Oh, I just run a triathlon again. Not even going to say buy my course because I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to do that. I'm not like Andrew Tate. Here, PhD course. Here, plug, you know. I fuck bitches, PhD course. I have nothing against him. I... I have certain interest in him, how he thinks, and very competent man, very like skillful, you know, respect for that. But I'm not going to do that. I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm going to, no joke, I'm just going to dominate every facet of my life, just going to plug it. Here, I was once Instagram 90 followers, now I have 2 million. Dan Bilzerian is my friend. Here, having coffee with him. Something like that. Just for the sake of, hey, you there, if you've seen this, this was me. I did not necessarily want this, but it is possible. Here, I just uh, bought this Maserati cash. Something, I, I'm going to be like that, you know, like, uh, because I, uh, I, I don't know, I don't, my whole life, as I was leveling up, I tried to help other people, but nobody helped me, you know, in my real life. Not here on Twitter, everybody helps me, you know, here, try this and that. You know, I see the Twitter dudes, I see them all, you know, and they try to help me, of course, but people do not listen. They won't lead by example, you know, that's the thing. If people don't want your help, just lead by example. So I'm going to lead the best that I'm able to, put the best example out there, the perfect example of myself, the diamond example, and then I'm going to motherfucking dominate, diamondize this whole motherfucking shit. And then you'll see like, and then 
I know for a fact people come to you, hey, how do you do that? You know, hey, how did you talk to that girl? Uh, I just uh, walked down the motherfucking street, asked 50 other girls, hey, where's the after party? Then one girl responded. That's how I did that. Shut the fuck up and go approach some 50 million chicks. For fuck's sake. And cut your hair. Wear a shirt that fucking fits you here to the shoulder. <laughs> fucking hell, man. You know, yeah. That's my uh, rage rant again. Yeah. Well, man, look. <laughs> We've covered a lot of ground right here. Um, of course. I like a lot of what you've had to say. I identify with a lot of that. And you've had a couple chuckles. That's cool. And, you know, you kind of said it there at the end. <clears throat> my takeaway from this, at least on my end, is just like the, the things that you want are simple. They're not easy, but they're simple. You know, like you just know what you want, figure that out, and be honest with yourself, and then just go try it. And you want to talk to girls like you just brought up? Well, you just go do it. I mean, you're going to get better by sitting there being afraid to do it. What's the worst that could happen? You feel a little embarrassed because somebody didn't want your company. You probably didn't want their company either. There's a reason that people don't connect. And I was like, okay, so on to the next one. And then, oh, you have the connection with the person and you explore that. Great. You had that opportunity. If you don't, if you don't like the people that you're connecting with, then maybe you should change. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe if you're a fat slob, or maybe if you're like a weak bitch, or maybe, you know, like if you don't have any outward confidence because you don't have any inward confidence, then people who are competent and confident don't want to be around you because you're a bummer. Maybe you should work on that and then try again. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, I hope people, when they hear you talk or they hear me talk and they hear us say, I used to be this way and now I'm this way, can really understand and can really internalize the fact you, you're this way, but you can be this way and all you have to do is start and keep going. And that's, that's the ticket. That's the, there is a magic bullet and it's you start and you keep going. That's it. And you can be good at anything you want. You can live any life you want. Yes. So I think that's probably like my, my message to the people. If, if someone was listening to this right now and you could sit across from them and look them in the eyes, what and this this is this is an opportunity i think for like your final word and then we'll close out and remind people who you are and where they can find you and everything but what would you tell that person sitting right across from you if you could give them one thing one thing to add to their life or to help them gain a new perspective what would you tell that person while you're looking them in the eyes mr fury thanks chance um i would just say what has been haunting me these days uh that your life is fragile. You just woke up this morning and maybe tomorrow it's gone. You do not know that. Uh, tomorrow even is not granted. You do not know these things. You might get a stroke. You might get hit by the bus. You know, something mortal, something brutal, you know, something morbid. I talk about these things almost daily in my daily spheres, in my text messaging. And I pondered these things long before I came into contact with Stoicism or Bushido or Zen that use these concepts as training methods to meditate on your death. For some people, this is strange. No, what it does, it invigorates your daily life. It makes you think, oh shit, what I have here 
It's not to be trifled with. This is real. You only have one life. And tomorrow or maybe the next week, it ends. You, uh, the beginning date is set. That's like your birthday. And then uh, for some people, uh, as fate decided everything, your death date is probably decided somewhere in the ether as well. We do not know this. But there's only one thing that you do control. That is that dash. There was this uh, army ranger. He said, lift the dash. Because that's where you have absolute control over. So have no regrets. And leave everything behind on the battlefield. That is life. You know, I see it as such. You have to fight for the things that you want. You fight, you lose. You fight again. And maybe one day you'll win. That I do not know, you know, for you. But in the fighting, oh yes, in the fighting, maybe you will find yourself, you know, in your fight, in your struggles, in your process. There you will find maybe what you were looking for, your happiness, whatever, your purpose in life, your dreams. Maybe you do get those physical, tangible stuff that you've wanted. But in the end, like Chuck uh, Palahniuk says, uh, the things you own end up owning you. You know, you can't take it with you. It doesn't mean any flying fuck. I can have all the Maseratis in the world. It, it does. I blink at that shit. I just use it as an example how stupid people are and how uh, you know strange this world is. But actually, what you want is like meaningful experiences with the people that you care about, and those experiences are only heightened and lift optimally if you fight for it. That's it. Hoo Hoopla. <laughs> Perfect chance now, right? Yeah, fuck. <laughs> so, why don't you tell them one more time who you are, where they can find you? Okay. Uh, my name is Fury. I am on Twitter mostly for the intellectual part, uh, where I do not tweet a toot. Uh, I express myself there daily or when I feel like it at Hua Fury. Uh, I'm also these days on Instagram. Uh, at Diamond Ronan Fury. And I'm also publishing my novel about Thailand. It's called LLT. Yeah, what's up? LLT. But uh, that is coming on gumroad.com dash Diamond Ronan Fury. It's the same. If you like it, buy it. It's good. It's a good novel. It's one of, for sure, New York Times bestseller. No, but that's a goal of mine, by the way. New York Times bestseller. Not with this book, maybe, but one day, you know. It will. That's it. No. Oh yeah, man. Well, this has been Lagos Centrifugal Podcast. I'm Chance Lunsford. Memento Mori.